Welcome to Own Goal Podcast. Uh, I have a little correction to make. Last episode, we said it was episode 11, but last episode was actually our 12th episode. At some point along the way, we screwed up our counting. Math is a wonderful thing. So welcome to episode 13, officially episode 13 of Own Goal Podcast. We have a lot to talk about in recapping this last weekend's games and previewing the matchups for, for this upcoming weekend. And also, we're going to talk about the weirdest, most deranged story we have ever reported on this podcast. To be fair, that's only 13 episodes of reporting, but still, it's pretty weird. But first... To the byline. It's in! It's an odd goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. So this story comes out of a YouTube video of former soccer player Shiva Nzigu. He was a striker in Ligue 1 for Nantes and Rems for about 10 years. He's from Gabon, so I guess that makes him Gabonese. Gabon. Gabon. Uh, yeah, some really sick and twisted shit, though. We're going to start out, I'm going to kind of ease y'all into how fucked up it is. So the first part is, his parents doctored his bas- his uh, passport and birth certificate, so everyone thought he was five years younger when he, when he, than he actually was. Uh, in the year 2000, Nzigu was the youngest player to score the African Cup of Nations, because he was supposed to be 16 years old in 93 days. It turns out he was actually 21. So I just keep picturing my head like this guy playing in the under-16s of his clubs, but he's actually 21. He's just probably physically dominating everybody. So that was the first of many revelations. 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 Fuck that one up. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how else to say this, so I'm just going to come out and say it. His dad ritually sacrificed his mom so Nzigu could keep his career earnings for himself. Why his mom had to die for Nzigu to keep his own money, I really don't understand the specifics of that, but that's what he said in the uh, video. And to wrap it up, he added just a little bit of splash of some nice Game of Thrones incest for you when he admitted to having sexual relations with both his aunt and sister. So that's the Steven and Shiva and Zigu story. Did you almost say Steven and Zanzi? Yeah, I almost. Uh, that was almost a quite a bit of slander there. Yeah, that's. I don't really have like anything to to kind of say in response to this because, like, what the fuck? I think it's just best that we've reported on it and we just try to move on and not think about it because it hurts my soul, honestly. Moving forward, we have an update on the Kevin De Bruyne injury. He will be out for what they are, are assuming will be about three months. So last uh, last episode, we came to you saying they were, they were talking about two months, possibly 10 weeks. I guess they're saying it's going to be closer to, to 12 weeks. You know, hopefully he has a speedy recovery. Don't, you don't want to see anybody ever go down. Um, and then, kind of sticking on the uh, the Manchester City information train, really cool story actually about their game last week. They they kind of dedicated the performance to David Silva's son, Matteo Silva, who was born five months premature, and and they said that he almost didn't survive. Uh, the odds of him surviving were, were very very low, 
Um, but you know, he, he had a couple procedures and they were able to, you know, stabilize the child. And now he was able to actually go to the game last week. And, uh, David Silva hit a saucy free kick. So a really, really cool story. And, and all the players afterwards were talking about how, you know, the MVP of their game was Mateo and how they kind of played for him. Always, always nice to see players do that. Yeah, definitely a feel-good story to chase away incest and murder. Well, now you just brought us back, so. So another feel-good story then. This one comes out of the Eredivisie, which is the Dutch top flight league. And we've, uh, we've, we've always been big fans of the Eredivisie, and shout out to our random listeners in Amsterdam. Love you guys. Uh, Faya Nord, which is the home of Robin Van Persie, actually, shit-pumped Excelsior, and Robin Van Persie actually scored in that game, but that's not really what's important here. What's important here is the traveling Excelsior fans did something absolutely awesome. When the clock struck the 19th minute mark, the Excelsior fans started throwing teddy bears and stuffed animals into the stands below them. Now, at first, that might seem like they're just throwing shit onto, you know, the field and stuff like that or onto the stands and just kind of being annoying, but that's not actually true. In the stands below them, children from the Erasmus Sophia Hospital were there watching the game. So they were actually throwing the teddy bears and stuffed animals to the sick kids so they'd have toys and stuff to play with, which is actually really fucking cool. Yeah, that's that that's an awesome. That's that, that reminds me of like during the World Cup when we would see the the Japan fans cleaning up their stadiums, you know, and things like that. Love seeing traveling fans doing something that transcends just the actual competition itself. Uh, definitely, definitely a, a nice feel good story. Um, another another update is the um, Sergio Ramos last week saying that. Uh, Ronaldo is not well. Nobody is bigger than Real Madrid, including Ronaldo. Uh, Donnie I was hoping you could hit us with some stats and, and see is that do we think that claim is being supported? Yeah, I actually think if anything, what's being supported is the exact opposite of what uh, Sergio Ramos said. Over the last few months, Juve have gained more followers on social media than Real Madrid. One of the most famous sports channels in all of Asia, which is basically the Asian equivalent of ESPN. Stop televising La Liga after doing it for nine years straight. Nine years is the tenure of Ronaldo at Real Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid lost to Atletico Madrid for the first time in the European competition ever. We talked about that with the UEFA Super Cup last episode. And to me, the stat line that stands out the most is this one. Real Madrid witnessed their lowest home attendance in a La Liga match in the last nine years. Once again, the last nine years being Ronaldo's tenure at Madrid. 48,000 fans in attendance. The Bernabeu has a uh, capacity of 81,000. So we're talking about only 58 capacity for their home opener, which was on a Saturday. Or, it was on a Sunday, I think. Yeah, so it was, it was, a, it was uh, Sunday. And the big one for me is this was their home opener. Not, not just the home opener. It was the start of their entire season, and it was at home. And I think the, that attendance, is, it's, it's concerning. That's really shitty. And uh, running into there, let's go hit it up with our La Liga recap. Uh, First and most important game was the, uh, if you guys listened to last week's episode, you'll know that there was a a gentleman's bet that Donnie believed Real Madrid would not beat Getafe at home to start the season. Well, you could barely call it at home when only 48,000 people show up. 
Okay, well, that's fair. But Real Madrid did did get a win. I think Bale had a goal. Maybe it was uh, Asensio had a goal as well. I'm not sure who the, the second goal was. The I think it was Danny was. Carvajal. Oh, you're right. It was Carvajal. Uh, Carvajal and Bale knocked, knocked two goals in. Nothing conceded. And most important part about this is Donnie is, is going to be doing the league uh, report this episode. And interestingly enough, Kaylor Navas started in goal and kept a clean sheet. Yeah, I, I, I actually thought we were going to see him get benched after giving up four goals against Atletico. So but, did I. But interesting to see, you know, goalie isn't, isn't like a lot of the other positions where you technically need time to get accustomed to, to your teammates and, and style of play. You know, we saw Allison start right away for Liverpool. We saw Kepa, who I think had two days with the team, uh, start for Chelsea. So I I'm find it very interesting that Navas continues to start over Courtois, wondering if that is indicative of, of their performances in training. Yeah. Uh, moving on from there, Barca, I mean, we kind of called this last episode. It wasn't a magical call or difficult call or anything, but they shit-pumped Alves 3-0 behind a brace from Messi and a goal from Philip Coutinho. So yeah. they're, they're probably going to do that a lot over they're, the next they'll, nine well, months. After seeing that that opening and then also seeing Atletico fail to get a victory against Valencia, I'm fairly confident that we'll be watching Barcelona win La Liga this season. Yeah, but that Valencia-Atletico game was a really, really good game. It was a 1-1 tie, and uh, Griezmann had an incredible assist. Besides that, the other game I'd mention is Sevilla shit-pumped Rayo... Vallecano 4-1 with former Milan player and uh, Portuguese striker Andre Silva getting off in the La Liga with a hat trick. To be fair, he's technically still a Milan player because this is a loan. Um, it is a loan with an option to purchase for like $38 million at the end of the Is it the one season. of those greasy gentlemen's agreements or is it sure. like an actual option? So I'm not sure. I think it's an actual option. Really the, 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 the fake option that's really an undercover obligation is common between Serie A teams. I don't know how firm of a gentleman's agreement that can be done outside of the leagues because there's less collateral forcing you to follow through. Uh, interesting stat, though, in in one, one match for Sevilla, Andre Silva scored more goals than he did in La Liga than he did in 24 Serie A appearances last season. To be fair, it's a less defensive league. It, it's a much less defensive league, but goddamn, it can't be that much less defensive. <laughs> well, if if he keeps not not even keeping pace, but if this is a, a show of things to come, they will be purchasing him for thirty eight million dollars next season or euros next season. Yeah, uh, the next couple of games coming up in La Liga this weekend: Atletico Madrid versus Rayo Vallecano, Real Valladolid v Barca, Girona v Real Madrid. I really don't see any reason why the big three won't win their games, but maybe Real Madrid will slip up. Yeah, or we. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, I don't. I don't see our report, our La Liga report next week, and being as extensive. Assuming everything goes according to plan. Yeah. I also. Uh, don't, with, I also don't know if I'll be watching many of those games. With that, I am a man of my word. And I will be filling in for Eric, who is our legal uh, specialist for the legal uh, report. For correspondent. Uh, PSG beat Wingamp 
3-1. We had a brace from the cheetah, Mbappe, and Namor scored a penalty because he's a bitch. Mbappe really should have scored the penalty so he could have had a hat trick. Uh, not that that order makes sense, because I think it was it was either Neymar, Mbappe, Mbappe, or Mbappe, Neymar, Mbappe. Either way, it should have been Mbappe. It's Mbappe's team now. Neymar's time is done. He's, he's already in decline. Um... Beyond that, Miazga, Matt Miazga, got his first start with Nantes. He did play the full 90, but they did lose 2-0 to a team called Dijon, which I know is a fancy type of mustard. And, yeah, that's the league report. I'm wondering, is it a French mustard? Uh, I wonder if it comes didn't, from... didn't the French invent mustard? That would explain so much. Moving on now to uh, the Serie A recap. Gates, I'm throwing the ball back to you now. All right. So the uh, the game that, that most people were really you know looking forward to and, and had all the hoopla was the Juventus uh, going up against uh, Chievo. You know, the Ronaldo season opener, Serie A opener. Ronaldo failed to score, but thought he looked dangerous. He had a couple opportunities where he almost, you know, almost knocked one through. There was a fantastic save he forced by the Kievo keeper, and then he also was like a less than an inch away from from knotting one in the lower left corner. What really kind of fascinated me was it, it seemed almost like the Kievo fans, while they definitely wanted to win or not lose, also kind of wanted to see Ronaldo score, even though they were the home team. Um, so that was just something interesting to to kind of you know keep an eye on. The Juve did look like they might be dropping points at, at some point uh, until the 93rd minute of, I think, 93 minutes. Bernardeschi uh, scored a late winner off of a, a nice, nice you know, ball in. So Juve took all three points as expected. Another, another game that I was well, actually... I was just going to add, the uh, one thing to me that kind of stood out is that First of all, I've said this before, Ronaldo will not have the same goal ratio he did in La Liga because Serie A is a much more defensively sound league. Outside of, like, Atletico Madrid, the La Liga defenses are crap. Yeah, and something else that I think is is, um, kind of underrated is the commitment to real team defense in Serie A, especially when you get the the bottom half of the table clubs. When they go up against what you you could call a top five, top six, six club in Serie A, they know, especially when they're playing at home, they're going to hunker down. They're going to try to grab, you know, one point and then beat up on their their other bottom half opponents to to get the rest of their points. So it's 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 not going to be as easy. I completely agree. Like I just, I didn't think Ronaldo looked bad at all. Uh, he had some chances. I just thought it would be notable to say that he did not score yet. Yeah, no, I was just. Um, and then something else I'd add is that. She, uh, Kievo only put two shots on target, and they both went in. And I don't think Juventus can win a Champions League with Chesney in the goal. And I'm actually really surprised that they haven't made a move for Navas. Because um, if you think about it... They don't need to. Huh? I don't think they need to. You think Chesney is good enough for them to win the Champions League? I I think we're, I think they're going to have a different starter by the uh, before we get to the, the winter transfer market. They picked up uh, another Italian goalie, you know, poached one from from one of the mid table teams in the in the summer window. Uh, Perrin, guy's really good. When Donnarumma was struggling this last season, people were talking about Perrin being the maybe he's going to actually be the the future goalie, the, the best goalie of Serie A. And Juve went in and grabbed him up in a move that wasn't really covered by many people. So I I don't think Chesney's the answer. 
but I I I think they have a really talented goalie that isn't just isn't starting yet. Has to he has to displace Chesney first. That's all good and fair. If I were in charge of Juventus, I would still try to buy Kaylor Navas because they didn't buy, they didn't just spend, Real didn't spend that money for Courtois to sit on the bench. And you get a goalie at that caliber who's yeah. won three Champions League in a row. You, you also have to remember that Kaylor Navas was quoted saying, I'd rather die than leave Real Madrid. So sometimes, you know, it's up to the player as well. But sometimes it's not. If you, it, I'm saying players are sold all the time yeah. who didn't want to leave. Yeah, but what's his contract situation? Is he is he up in, in a year? Is he up is he up for a while? What's you know? I mean, I don't know what his contract situation is, but it is a business at the end of the day. And if Real, like I said, did not buy Courtois, yeah, to, to say Courtois on the bench, so you might as well recoup some money and sell Novice. And I think but Juventus if, if, just if, makes if sense Navis, as a team that Navis needs a top goalie. If, if Novice doesn't have that much time left on his on his deal, and Real want to sell him for a high price. I could see Juve saying that it's not worth paying that kind of money if we can't guarantee that we're going to get him longer than one, two years, two seasons. Also, it, it's it's a moot point now, seeing as the Italian transfer league closed uh, last Friday. Can they? Can y'all still not loan players? Because I know because the official FIFA deadline loan, isn't until the thirty first. I know the you, Premier League we can you, still loan players. You can loan players out. They you can't loan players in. Like, I, well, I, don't, then, I don't know, can can Man United loan players at, in? I'm pretty sure they can just send them out on loan. I'm pretty sure you can loan a player in, too. We'll have to, we'll have, to have the intern check that stat. Uh, moving on, Don Carlo got a win. Moving back to Napoli, where he def- where they defeated Lazio. Yeah, it was a, this was the game that I was actually most looking forward to. Lazio, who finished fifth. Uh, tied on points with Inter last season for that fourth place spot, just missed out, but managed to hold on to you know Chiro Mobile and uh, Sergio Sergei Milinkovic Savic. Really kept a good part of their squad together, and then Napoli, who lost Jorginho, lost Maurizio Sarri, but you know brought back almost everybody else. Really, really interesting game. Uh, Mobile opened up the the scoring for the game, put Lazio up one nothing, but that second half. Carlo Ancelotti and his team were able to kind of find a way to, to eke out a win. And then we've got uh, Roma playing against Torino. Torino's an interesting team. They've, they've had some really talented players the past couple of years. Uh, had a really good season two years ago, not so much last year. So definitely had some interest in, in this match. Uh, Roma easily, easily controlled the first half of that, of that match, but, but couldn't find a, a, an opening goal. Second half, Torino came out and actually dominated Roma. Was looking like they were going to get some sort of go-ahead goal or probable game winner. Went out of the blue, Ed and Dzeko. Just saucy volley. Nothing Roma could, nothing uh, Torino could do. So very, very, you know, Ed and Dzeko, Chiro Mobile. Seeing some of the last season's top scorers for Serie A open their accounts earlier this year. Yeah, and then I think the big storyline is that uh, Inter, who I think I had outside of my top four, fell to Loli Sassuolo. I so I was I was assuming because Milan's game was postponed that this would be kind of a a less exciting opening first week for for me and and for many Milan oh, uh, fans. But I know in England players can sign players on a standard loan up to August thirty first, two thousand eighteen. Fascinating. Well, um, I was wrong. 
in thinking that this would be a less than exciting opening weekend because even though Milan wasn't able to play, uh, anytime Inter loses a match where they 100% should at least get some sort of points is always you know enjoyable to me, um, especially seeing as this is an Inter squad that a lot of the pundits and and you know national and international writers and, and sports coverers are saying that they're they're a pick to challenge Juve for for the title this season. I think they're pretty far away from that challenge. Uh, I think there are other teams in Serie A better fit. That being said, I, I don't want to you know take one game in the very beginning of the season and extrapolate too much out of it. But I always enjoy when, when Inter drops points. Yeah, and with that, we head to the Premier League where we had, there's a lot to unpack here. Not, most of it not good for me. Uh, Tottenham got off to a flop, good start um, with a 3-1 win against Fulham, but it took them a little bit of time to uh, get the wheels turning. But once they did, it looked really good. Harry Kane got his August Premier League goal. A lot was made out of it that he hadn't scored a Premier League goal in August. I kind of thought this was just one of those statistics that really doesn't mean anything to me and just oh, it, is it, stupid. It but definitely, it definitely, that, it, that conversation could finally be over. It was definitely a meaningless statistic, but just the the odds of it to me were very interesting. Like I didn't, it doesn't say anything to me. It didn't say anything to me about him as a player. I mean, he, you know, nobody scored more uh, premier league goals in the last three seasons combined than he has, but it was just fascinating. And now that fascination is over. (laughs) Uh, Lucas Mora. The only thing that could be considered a new signing for the club. He's the closest thing since he was out on loan last season, had a full off season with the club. He opened his account with a beautiful left footed curler, Top cheddar and uh, Trippier did what he does, which is just banging free kicks, which fu- it looks looks fucking great too. Yeah, any any time uh, a guy from that dead on angle is able to kick a free kick and have it hit the side netting before it hits the back netting, I'm impressed. Yeah, uh, moving over to Everton, who some delusional people think will make the top four. They got a 2-1 win over Southampton, and Rick Carlson, Eric's pick to be the PFA Young Player of the Year, just continues to be amongst the goals. So, yeah. really exciting time for Everton. Good job, Rick Carlson. I'll be, I'll be interested with, with, with Charleston. Um, I think you also noted this while we were watching the game. Uh, he definitely was limping a little bit in that second half. He'd taken a few knocks. He had kind of stretched his groin out a little bit. I don't think the actual groin thing was an issue, but... He's a little bit younger. He's not the bulkiest guy. I, I'm curious to see how he holds up to a full season in the physicality of the Premier League. Yeah, it should be uh, interesting. The game of the weekend, Chelsea-Arsenal 3-2. <laughs> Both teams with a new manager. Sorry, the smoker at Chelsea and Emery, the Frenchie at Arsenal. What a game. I mean, early on, it looked like Chelsea were going to just shit-pump Arsenal, taking a two-goal lead. Arsenal were just had sitters 12 yards out. And, I mean, weren't even putting them on target, blasting them over, not even close. Yeah, I think, Obam- then, I think Aubameyang's sitter was was less than 10 yards out. Yeah, and then Arsenal remembered how to play soccer, tied the game up 2-2. Unfortunately, I was watching this with people, and I said, oh, Arsenal peaked too early. They are going to lose this game. And that happened. They remembered how to play soccer for a short window. And it went it went against them in the second half when Marcus Alonso snuck in for a three-two uh, goal. I have two questions for you. One. Okay. Is there anything more Arsenal than coming back from down two nothing in the second half to then just lose the game? Yeah. And two, 
I, I wasn't able to watch this game live, but but I went kind of radio silent, didn't know the score, and watched it later that night, and was texting you what I was seeing. Were you just laughing when I was talking about how just Chelsea was dicking all over Arsenal in that first half and how this was kind of a boring game? Yeah, because I feel like you definitely watch games on delay more than I do. Yeah. And so, like, every time you say something that, like, is going to be very ironic, and it's not your fault. I was definitely thinking the same thing when I watched it live. Yeah. I just kind of say nothing and just let it play out. <laughs> but I'm always scared to say anything because I'm always worried, like, what if something accidentally gives something away? And I obviously feel really bad. So I just usually just silence my pulse in those situations. So for the listeners that, that couldn't pick up on it, there are actually a lot of times where I'm not able to watch some sort of soccer game and I'll just ignore seeing any scores. And then later that day or the next day or sometimes two days later, I will go ahead and, and watch that game with virgin eyes. So it's, um, it's, most people think it's weird, but I like it. City, uh, City. Uh, well, they played my, my, my ever-loved... Uh, Huddersfield Town, and I don't uh, calling this a shit pump is a disservice to what they did, lumping it in with other shit pumps. This was a six one massacre. Yeah, it was just a slaughter. You could say Aguero shit pumped this team. Yeah, Aguero hit a hat trick. David Silva, absolute beauty of a free kick. Uh, I think Gabriel Jesus was amongst the goal scorers, and a, a nice own, own goal by Huddersfield to make them feel even better about themselves. But, uh, yeah, tough start to Huddersfield having to play Liverpool first game, Man City second game. They are dead last. I mean, it's early. It's two games. It doesn't mean anything, yeah. but it's it's not ideal. Though. Like like I mentioned with the those uh, lower table Serie A teams where they just try to hold on against the big guys, and um, you don't see that in the Premier League. Like Huddersfield, or Huddersfield like, at least against Liverpool, um, I'll be honest, I, I had no interest in watching Huddersfield, Huddersfield play uh, Man City because I just didn't want to watch a dog get kicked repeatedly, but you know they they would they, they don't really just sit back and try to hold on for dear life, with, which I, I I really respect, and they know that the points that they're going to pick up to stay on on the top flight are going to be against the mid table and low table teams, yeah, and maybe Man United, yeah. Thanks for that, man. Can't wait for Milan to have something go wrong this season. I'm going to shove that one right back at you. Oh, I mean, everything will go wrong for Milan this season, so. Until you said that, I was hoping it wouldn't, and now I truly hope it does. I was just referring to... Liverpool beat Crystal Palace 2-0. The scoreline flatters Liverpool, really. Mo Salah dived like a bitch and got a bullshit penalty, in my opinion. Very, very soft. They scored it 1-0. Crystal Palace had chances. Allison was actually really, really good. Made some great saves, and late in the game, correctly so, Crystal Palace went a man down. It was... uh, 11 on 10. Crystal Palace hoping to get something out of the game. 90 second minute sends pretty much everyone up. Yeah. Sadio Mane gets a fast break and gets that second goal. Uh, a lot of people online, a lot of journalists are talking about how Liverpool have this awesome defense they haven't conceded yet. It's been two games and they played Crystal Palace in a Huddersfield. So let's uh, <laughs> let's pump the brakes on that. This this I think, and and I'm going to touch on this uh, on the next game we cover as well. Is the perfect example of people taking a really, really, really minute sample size at the beginning of a season and, and saying that this shows so much that you can look look towards at what's going to happen at the end of the season. Uh, Liverpool got two wins, so so props to them there for, for not dropping any points. That being said, the, the 
they haven't played any of the, the real contenders. They haven't had a real litmus test yet. Uh, I think you're dead right. This was a one nothing game with a 2 nothing scoring lo- score line. Yeah, and with that, uh, time to preview next week's game. Something else to talk about from the Premier League. <laughs> um, now, uh, Brighton beat Man U 3-2. I had a dream the night before that it was going to happen, and lo and behold, I got to live out my own nightmare. So, so uh, I'm, Brighton I'm, were excellent. They were buzzing all over the field. They had a really high press, which just <laughs> killed Man U. Uh, if you're in a Premier League team and you're listening to this, I guess if you just high press Man U, they'll just self-explode. Uh, Man U made a lot of mistakes, to be fair, on their own, and credit to Brighton for um, taking advantage. The, all joking aside, Brighton were the better team, and they yeah. absolutely deserved to win that game. Yeah, they, 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 they were the better team. They were, at the end of that first half, you kind of kind of felt like United really has to turn a lot around at halftime, and they, they kind of dug themselves too much into a hole. Um, but like I was – so the, the inverse of what people are saying about Liverpool, they're saying that United's basically done. Um, they, they can't compete. And each game, yes, there is a, a larger narrative at work, but the individual game is still that, an individual game. And I, I don't necessarily see this as saying United season is over. I think people are, are freaking out a little bit too much. I am, I am curious about what this does with the Maz v. Mourinho narrative. I'll tell you what, that doesn't that look good for Josie. I think Chris Hill didn't lose to Brighton. He also lost to Brighton last season, too. 1-0, I think, away from home. Um, yeah, Josie, we were away from home. We Last season, we were also not as good away from home, except at the Etihad, because, of course, we weren't. Uh, Manu looked lazy and arrogant. They looked like a team that expected to win before the ball got dropped, and it came back to bite them. I mean... Like, I agree with you. People are panicking. They're blowing it out of proportion. But I actually don't blame Mourinho. I really think that game was on the players. Yeah. Mourinho really fielded a solid team. The the tactics, he, he he wasn't having you guys sit back and, like, do nothing. Like, you know, the, the stuff that people tend to criticize Jose on tactics-wise are when he's on the road against more talented teams, he'll play really, really, really defensively. That That wasn't the case here. You've yeah, nice. when you score three, when you concede three goals, you're definitely not playing that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was it was really interesting. It, it is also I think um, worth noting that the thing that Jose was talking about transfer wise, needing to bolster that defense, and there were some defensive uh, ineptitude. Uh, Dude, this game. I, I, I cannot wait for Antonio Valencia to be back. Ashley Young is now just a liability. I mean, he but served you, his purpose well. But Luke Shaw has to be – he's been the best player for Man U across both games. I, I agree. And what fucking bizarre world are we living in where, where two people can say that? Two almost sane people can say that with a level head. But don't you kind of think that when Valencia is healthy, Valencia will slot back at right back and then Ashley Young will go over to left back? I hope not, but with Mourinho, it's probably going to happen. Um, which would just be devastating for Luke Shaw because when, Sh- when Shaw's not playing – but people ask about him. All Jose will talk about is how he's overweight. Yeah, which will just make him gain. Will just make him gain more weight. Yeah. Um, so moving moving uh, on, moving on to to the preview of, of next week, uh, Man City continue their their welcome to the Premier League tour by playing against you know teams that were promoted this season or last season. So Wolves, maybe just start prepping for your game after your next game after that. 
Just play, play your kids, man. Just throw your under 18s out there. No, 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 no. You have to shelter their confidence. So I, I agree <laughs> in playing playing your youth, but not against Man Shitty when they're just on a fucking tear. Yeah, that'll be a shit pump. Uh, after that, we have Bournemouth Everton, which I think this could actually be a really good game. Yeah, I think I, th- I think this game could go one of two ways: zero zero draw or like a three one three two win for one of the two teams. I I think it could be a toss up. I guess the public money would be on Everton because some do people really think Everton can finish fourth? Yeah. You 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 said that earlier. I didn't I didn't interject. <laughs> I, I I thought maybe I just had like water in my ear, even though I haven't been. No, swimming. people expect them to challenge for the top four and could sneak in at fourth. I definitely could see them challenging for for Europa. Well, I'm I'm I'll, I'm sure they'll take that away from Manchester United, <laughs> so we won't even have that. Uh, then we have Arsenal playing West Ham. Uh, both teams need to pick up some points, at least. I- at least one team is guaranteed points, possibly both if they tie, which would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because both these are both teams that you know made a lot of moves in the off season, and people have had a lot of positivity going into the season. Uh, obviously, more expectations for Arsenal than, than for West Ham. It would be really interesting to see one team win. What happens at the kind of the the news and the rumors around the other club? Yeah. Um, I I'd like to think that Arsenal win this game. Yeah, since they're not playing Chelsea or Man City anymore. But I could also, especially being against another London team, I could really see Arsenal really losing this game. If this were last season, I would put money in West Ham winning this game. Yeah, Even and then uh, Liverpool Ham's play perfect. now also top four favorite Brighton and Hove Albion. <laughs> are playing Liverpool on Saturday. I really hope that they can do it again. I have a feeling that since it's Liverpool and not Man U, it won't happen again. And I think Liverpool is the home team on this one. So, yeah. so you know, maybe uh, maybe Brighton and Hove can get us uh, can get a draw. It would be great if they could do something and give me a little bit of reprieve. Sunday, really the only game of note is Newcastle and Chelsea. Um, might be a, just a little bit too early for Yedlin to be back, but yeah. hopefully he can at least make the eighteen. I know it's just a Short injury, but I'm sure they don't. You know, they don't want to rush him back, and yeah. it's a, especially it's, with a knee problem. It's a long season, and and I, I sound like a, a broken record, but I think Newcastle knows that they're not. They don't have to be as worried about picking up points against a team like Chelsea. They need to be worried about picking up points against a team like I don't know Huddersfield Town, Brighton Hove Albion, Watford. Yo, those guys. Brighton Hove Albion are a uh, top they're a tough out. Team. They're a tough out. Yeah, uh, Monday probably. Unfortunately for me. It's my first day uh, starting my to be a short and brief career as a lawyer on Monday. Your 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 little your little temp temp gig until the pod takes off, right? Yeah, exactly. Man United versus Tottenham at Old Trafford. So that's at least a godsend. It gives Man U a puncher's chance. Uh, I feel like this goes one of two ways. Either it goes really really badly for Man U, and it's and it's just like maybe maybe Mourinho gets sacked after that game. <laughs> and Zidane is really knocking. I would like to point out that the board of Man U has publicly backed Mourinho, but if this game goes really badly, I can just, that's not going to be good. Can I say a few things? First off, it's two games into the season. I think the board has to fucking publicly back (laughs) the manager. Uh, Backing the manager in August does not necessarily mean that they're backing that manager come December. Uh, Or September. Or September. (laughs) 
Also, I, I we uh, there was a, a question on our the face. I think one of our Facebook posts sharing this about you know, what our thoughts were for this this upcoming match, and I I really think this is shaping up to be that kind of you know the narrative really says that Tottenham should win this game or they they're at least going to draw points, just with you know how they they've been playing pretty well and United this last game did not exactly play pretty well. Which really leads me to think that this is going to be that classic Jose Mourinho game where everybody afterwards is like, "Hey, nobody's saying that 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 United were definitely going to lose this game because we all know Mourinho's a great coach." So I think we're going to see that Mourinho is, and, and more importantly, Pogba and those guys are going to play like they give a fuck, which they didn't do last weekend. And also, De Gea has really been poopy since the start of the World Cup. And I think it's time that he shows us that he is a world-class goalie. I've always said that without David De Gea, Manu would probably be relegated. <laughs> and, and, and right now they're playing. And, and when I say without David De Gea, I mean David De Gea in world-class top form. And right now that's kind of being proven correct. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I think you're 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 dead right there. I think it's gonna be a really interesting game, Donnie. If you've never if you haven't tried it, you know you could always just ignore any scores while at work. And watch the game Monday night. I'm definitely going to watch the game at work and get fired my first day. That's what I was afraid of. Uh, with that, we can finally preview the Bundesliga because the lazy Germans have gotten off their asses and are ready to play soccer with the rest of the world. I don't know if, if there's ever been an... Like a, a, this is the first time calling a German lazy has been accurate. Uh, Friday at 1.30, we kick off with Bayern Munich against Hoffenheim. Just a reminder to everyone, Hoffenheim finished third last season. Yeah, and Hoffenheim has uh, Julian Nagelsmann as their as their coach, the really, really young guy. Um, he probably won't be at Hoffenheim much longer. There were, there were thoughts that he'd end up at Bayern. He turned it down, I think, saying that I can always coach Bayern in a few years. Uh, I really like the the cockiness of that of that mentality. Wait, isn't Hoffenheim the team whose coach made a deal to go somewhere else at the end of the season? Yeah. So where did he make a deal to go to? I don't remember. Was it Dortmund? No, no, it's not Dortmund. Remember? Yeah. Hold on. You can keep talking about this, and I'm going to look this up. You just keep talking about things. Okay, I'll just, you know, uh, kill time for a little bit. And, of course, I'm going to be too lazy to go back and cut this. Oh, it's, it's definitely Leipzig. But Leipzig, <laughs> okay. He's going to Leipzig. After this year. Yeah. But everybody already knows that, like, the contracts have been signed. Yeah, this is, like, more awkward than when... Uh, Frankfurt's coach decided that he was going to go to Bayern and then coach against Bayern for Frankfurt in the in the DFB Cup final. This is like, yeah, so this, this, this is taking this it to the next level. Yeah, this should at least be a competitive game for Bayern. One of the, like, four I think they play a year. <laughs> uh, I would love for Hoffenheim to get a result, and I would really love for something... I would love for any other team in the Bundesliga to win the Bundesliga. Yeah. I don't care which one, honestly. Yeah, you, I mean, two, two seasons ago... We actually kind of almost cared about League 1 when Monaco topped PSG. Imagine if that if something like that happened in a league that we actually cared about. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, uh, one of the reasons that we care about this league so much is there's a lot of, uh, there's a bevy, a beautiful bevy of American talent. And uh, Werder Berman are kicking off against Hanover. Werder, who, you know, they signed Josh Sargent. Not sure what their starting 11 or even their, their match day 18 are going to look like, but from all the comments about their, from their manager about their squad, they're really high on Josh Sargent, and I, I, would, I would be surprised if we didn't see him get some playing time. 
Yeah, so you got the two American strikers, Sergeant Ray Wood, Saturday morning. And yep. then we have another couple of Americans paired together, or pitted together, excuse me. Wolfsburg and Schalke kick off also at 8.30 on Saturday with John Brooks against Weston McKinney. The future. And, and then, then uh, and Sunday we wrapped up the Bundesliga with Dortmund and Leipzig, two of the better teams. This, this I think, is the biggest game of, of the... Of, of, of the opening weekend for the Bundesliga, which is why I think it's on that Sunday 11 o'clock you know, central time slot. Dortmund with our boy C. Pulisic, you know, my, my guy Marco Royce and, and all their players, and then Leipz- Leipzig who have Emil Forsberg who played really well at the World Cup, and, and they really, really kind of exploded two years ago, had a, had a down year last season, definitely looking to get back into that, that, that contention in the Bundesliga. This will be a really, really good litmus test for both teams. Yeah, and I think that kind of wraps up our league recap, which leaves the name association game segment. Yeah, if you'll remember the name association game, we introduced this a couple episodes back, did it for a little bit, and then kind of, I guess, we kind of forgot. Um, but it is important to note that we started doing this before a certain other podcast started doing it on theirs. Yeah, those podcasts are fraud, by the way. So, um, moving on from there. Speaking of frauds, my, my first name is uh, Brendan Rogers. Disappointing. Frank Ribery. Underage prostitute. Hardem Benarfa. Where is he? <laughs> Dimitri Payet. Heartbreaking. Edison Cavani. Caveman. I definitely think we've had Cavani before. Did I did I use Cavani already? <laughs> I think one of us did. Oops. <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah. Kyle Beckerman. Oh, that that was the absence of the answer because Kyle Beckerman is the absence of touch. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Antoine Griezmann. All I can think of is that fucking Fortnite dance he does when he scores his goals. <laughs> Gareth Bale. Vampire. Jurgen Klopp. Intimidatingly happy. Qatar 20, or 2022. Anti-slavery podcast. All right. Well, that wraps up that segment, and we go to our final segment, Mailbag for Douchebag. It's mail time. Can we make a bet on another game this weekend for you to not do that next episode? Um, I, you have to, you're going to have to offer up something that I would really care about. Uh, I mean, what do you want? I don't know if I, I don't know if there's anything I want, want then, then to continue doing that. I would pretty much give up anything for you to stop doing that. <laughs> this is what we, what we call an impasse, my friend. We'll talk about this off the, off of it, off air. So our mailbag, this is continuing. Matt sent us a whole bunch of questions, which we're really happy about, and we just divided divided them up into uh, two sections here. So first of this new set of questions, who steps up the most for Real Madrid? Isco, Asensio, Vasquez, Benzema, or Bale? Who's the leading scorer? Okay, I think there's two questions there. I, I don't necessarily think who steps up the most and who's the leading scorer are going to be... They don't have to be the same answer. I agree. I think who their leading scorer is going to be is probably uh, I'd go with Kareem Benzema. I think you're probably I, I think you're going to guess the same if I'm not mistaken. See, so I have a feeling 
if you're uh, most who steps up the most is what I think it is, we might be inverse here. Gotcha. Does your who steps up the most also start with the letter B? No, I'm not going. Oh. I'm not going. Bailey steps up the most. Interesting. I actually think if caveat if he's healthy, Bale will score the most. I just don't I, see. I don't think Bale's going to stay healthy for a full season. And if he's not healthy for a full season, then I agree Benzema would yeah. score the most. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm taking that assumption into my my pick. That's fair. Score the most. That's fair. Uh, and then, and so you think that Benzema is going to be? He's going to step up the most. Yes. And and create a lot for because yeah we, we we agree that Benzema is for as good as he is and as well known as he is he's really overlooked a lot by his own you know, by Real Madrid fans by fans of the game in general. Um, I think actually we're gonna see one of Isco or Asensio really step up, and I'm 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 gonna go with uh, Isco. I would agree with you there. I, I think Asensio is a little bit overhyped, in my opinion. Yeah, but Asensio is just fun. He's fun to watch. Is the thing. He's fun to watch, it's, but then when you when you to do it when you don't when you're not dependent on ninety minutes a week yeah. for thirty eight games, plus Champions League plus the cup. It's a little bit different. He's a perfect luxury sub for like a big, a big club or yeah. you know, powerful nation. Um, next question would be: Who performs the best between Neymar, Coutinho, or Vincinius Jr.? Who's better in five years? And then, in a realistic, what does? Okay, that's the next. That's the yeah. next question. Okay, that that that's not me. Threw me off there. Uh, uh, I think currently the best in. Most talented individual player. I hate to say this, is I mean Neymar is the best of the three players. Like that's just true. But I think in five years Coutinho will be a more important player for club and country than Neymar. I think Neymar is. I don't. He's not. Gonna, I don't think Neymar is going to get any better. I think he's hit his ceiling. I think if he was going to get any better, it would have already happened. Yeah. Whereas I think Coutinho can still get better. I I. I... I definitely see where you're coming from. I'm actually going to look at this question slightly different, not who is the most skillful of the three. The question is who performs the best between Neymar, Coutinho, Vincinius Jr. And you could say, I, I guess he's asking who this season is going to perform the best club or, for, their, for their club. But I'm looking at the only way I can compare Neymar and Coutinho is by looking at their similar, comp, you know, things they've done similarly or together which would be competing for Brazil. And during those competitions, I thought Coutinho outperformed Neymar three out of the four games, four out of the five, four out of the five games they played. So, yeah, I agree with that. so I'm going to say Coutinho is performs the best. I also think it's important to note that Neymar had great season with PSG last year after he, you know, basically tried to decapitate Katani or Cavani. Um, but it was, Neymar and then Cavani and then everybody else. Neymar is not top dog at PSG anymore. Kylian Mbappe is, you know, he's the home guy from France, World Cup hero. It's his team now, and I think that's really going to throw Neymar into a spiral. Well, luckily for him, he's very good at poker, apparently. <laughs> also, who's better in five years? I mean, I haven't seen enough of Vincinius Jr. to really say much about him. So I'll say in five years, Coutinho's the, the best of the three. Yeah, that's, that's the same with me. I haven't really seen enough of Vincenius Jr. either. Uh, in a perfect but realistic world, what does this season look like for Tim Way? Well, displaces Neymar as the starter for PSG. 
That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, however, in a realistic world, you know, Neymar has some injury trouble in the past. So in the games where he's out or a couple of the guys get rest. And we're in no, we're gets, in no way. Know, get some rotation squad minutes in a realistic world and makes the most of them. Yeah. We're in no way hoping that anybody, including Neymar, and we are an anti-Neymar podcast, but we're more anti-wanting people to get hurt. Yes, I, I am not yeah. hoping anyone gets hurt. I'm just saying between the attacking three players, Mbappe, Neymar, Cavani, someone's going to pick up knocks here or there. There's going to be some time for squad rotation. I think realistically, Tim Way gets in on those games and continues to score and continues to perform well. I think there's a very I think I think we're going to see Tim Wea, assuming he stays healthy, uh, get league minutes. Considering they have turned down several requests to send him out on loan to other teams, with the I guess express express notion that they plan on utilizing him during their their league campaign. My my thing would be when they go up against those those teams that are 15 and lower on the table. They want to rest their their guys that will be crucial for Champions League. So I definitely what? think in a perfectly you know realistic world, he plays against some of the lesser competition, and when he plays, he gets some goals, gets some assists, and, and, and impresses to show that he he belongs at PSG or a you know competitive team. Yeah. And uh, final question: Do you think Icardi can take the next step? Because it seems like the last three years we've been waiting for him to become world class. I. Just not been a fan of what I have seen from him, so I can be biased. I'll let you start us off on this one, Eric. This is your area of expertise. So, Matt, I I don't know you all that well. Met, met and talked to you a few times, but I don't know what the degree of, I don't know, how often you actually follow Syria. Um, I think if, if you look at what he's done for the national team, that, that will definitely be disappointing. Um, but if you watch Icardi kind of week in, week out, he does a lot. He creates a lot, and he's he's a very very potent striker. I I think that really honestly, Acardi, Immobile, and Jeco are all criminally underrated for their talents. All three of those, and especially Acardi, have the ability to score a goal with little or no help creating it. And you know I don't know what his exact numbers have been. Uh, but I'm kind of in the opposite of you, seeing as you know I, I very, very much dislike Inter, so I should be biased against him. But when I watch him play, I, I always kind of find myself thinking, damn, that's, that, that, that's a good striker that can create on his own. So I kind of think maybe he's there. Uh, probably needs a, a, a move to a, a club that has more global kind of visibility right now. Uh, Inter in the past has been that type of club. But both both Inter and Milan, you know, have have really kind of taken a step back recent years. Yeah, I uh, just I have a little bit of his numbers. I can't, I don't have his assist count right now. But just his goals per game ratio in thirty four Serie A games, he scored twenty nine goals. Yeah. So I feel like what, you know, and then if I, I don't know how many assists he has, but let's say at worst he has like five assists. But I think it's probably a little bit better than that. That's pretty good uh, numbers. I just think I agree with you. I just think he plays for a. Uh, team that has lost a little bit of visibility recently um and i mean his entire country is just kind of a dumpster fire in terms of playing nationally for Argentina. like that's just a fact of like recent years he wouldn't even get called up which i i don't know if you remember but when he didn't get called up for the world cup i was flabbergasted uh, yeah considering he had a hell of a season for inter he's a really really good striker that can do stuff on his own when the rest of the team is unable to function like a proper soccer team, which in hindsight, 
I think they Argentina could have used more of that, considering they kept subbing off Aguero. But that's that's way in the past. Um, you know, good good questions. Really appreciate you know adding those in. And then we also got a kind of a last minute question into our our mailbag for D bags from uh, your fellow Man United supporter uh, Nick Foster. So I'll go ahead and, and read kind of what what he sent into us, and then we'll we'll get get going to the questions. What's up, guys? Uh, day one listener, devout supporter, but first time mailer. I don't know how I feel about having somebody tell us they're a devout supporter. I kind of like it. This question will inevitably be suited better for Donnie, as he and I share in our support of Man United. Look, City is a better team. Liverpool is probably now a better team. But week in, week out, over the course of the last season or so, United consistently underperforms. Every week, we see at least one of the quote-unquote big six Premier League clubs thrash aside uh, destined for a relegation scrap. 3-0, 4-0, often worse than that, like City putting six past Huddersfield this weekend. This is a wordy question, Nick. I know Mourinho sets his teams up in such a way that they're less likely to put up the score lines than, say, Klopp. But there's that, and there's the current state of things. Is Mourinho out the solution here, or is there something else going on? Pressure of a playing at a big club, getting to people, or is it some iteration of the E-Gates 84 curse? Uh, that's a lot to unpack. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yes, he is definitely a better team. I think the 19 points that divided them at, us at second and them at first last season proved it. Liverpool is probably now a better team. Yeah, probably. They made the Champions League final. We got knocked out by Sevilla last season. I mean, you're making good points. I do think we consistently underperform. I don't know. You know, a theory I was sharing with Eric is I don't think people realize how important Paul Pogba is to the Manchester United dressing room. There are a lot of guys on that team that are very close friends with him. Jesse Lingard and him, for example, are best friends. Rashford and Lingard are best friends, and Rashford is close with Pogba. Pogba and Lukaku are best buddies. If you lose Pogba in the dressing room, you lose your pretty much your best attacking players. You lose your credibility with those players. Yeah. I think the problem with Manchester United is that we had such a long run of having so much stability and having one person who really in a very unique way, Sir Alex controlled the club from top to bottom. He controlled every little aspect of the club. And now with Man U creating this technical director role, you can see that the era of a Man U manager having such control is coming to an end. It was always going to be a struggle to replace him. The only thing I ever will blame Sir Alex Ferguson for is picking David Moyes as his successor. Because I think if we had a better manager, we wouldn't be set back so far. I think the reality is, and I don't know if Mourinho out is a solution, because I think, I mean, who's much better than Mourinho that we're going to get right now? Okay, maybe Zidane, but sh- the same thing I say about Zidane, I have to say about Pep. Show me you can win without Ronaldo or Messi. Yeah. It's pretty easy to win trophies with those guys. Uh, it's hard to say what the solution is. I mean, I would think that you need to inspire your players and you need to make them play a way that they're all on the same page. And that's the thing. The main players never look like they're on the same page. So I really don't know what the solution is. I think you just hang on to Mourinho and see what happens. But I think I tweeted it recently. I think Man U fans need to accept that we're quickly becoming a mediocre club 
that's living off of a bloated name and reputation. Uh, yeah, and in regards to your tweets, this is more of a, I think, a reflection on Twitter as it is. You took a decent amount of flack from random Man U supporters uh, because of what you're saying, and I, I think what you're saying is, is smart, and it's something that, that, you know, I've had to come to terms with as well. You know, Milan will never be the Milan they were when Carlo Ancelotti was at the helm with players like Maldini, Nesta, uh, Shevchenko, and Zaghi, Sadorf, you know, the list goes on and on and on. It's the same way as saying Man United will never be, will not be what Sir Alex's Man United was because you don't have Sir Alex at the helm anymore. And he had so much influence that you have to go about figuring out, you know, what's what's the next move, what's what's the next step. So there is there's definitely a I think the fan base, not not every fan, but a large portion of the fan base wants things to go back to the way they were, and that's not necessarily in the cards. But yeah. but yeah, I don't I don't know if Mourinho out is 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 the answer. Uh, Wenger out was hilariously entertaining. I don't see Mourinho out as a as a season long saga being entertaining. I prefer the Maz v Mourinho side of things. I think uh, Mourinho won week one, Maz won week two, so it's a it's a pretty level level peg right now. The irony is that when I win, <laughs> you I still kind of lose. Oh, you definitely still lose. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I, I don't know if there's this could be any sort of iteration of the E-Gates 84 curse. Uh, uh, actually, no, bullshit. From the moment I was born until years after I met you, Sir Alex Ferguson was the coach of Man U, and we were one of the best teams in the world year in and year out. A few years after meeting you, Sir Alex leaves and it all goes to shit. So no, I'm calling bullshit on that this is not the iteration of the curse. That's absolute bullshit. What, did my it's, did my curse drive Sir Alex out of Man United? It's possible. His oh, his sister's wife all of a sudden passes away. He needs to spend more time with his family. Really, really. Yeah, he's just an upstanding guy. <laughs> no, I definitely think that the curse is definitely in play. It's now impacted my life, which is just hurtful. Okay, be wary if you're you're choosing to let the curse into your life right now. If you if you let down the that guard. It's going to infest you, and it'll it'll reach every part of soccer. Also, every World Cup before I met you, the U.S. also oh, fuck off. Uh, qualified. Okay. <laughs> so that's the end of our episode. Uh, really appreciate the, the the emails for D bags. As always, please you know get in touch with us. Follow us on Twitter. Um, you know at ongolpod. Reach us at Gmail ongolpod at gmail.com we have our facebook page and please rate and, and subscribe to our podcast also we're really trying to get the word out we're really bad at building a social platform so so please please you know share this podcast with anybody you know that likes soccer what's up preston um anybody that that really you know might be interested in soccer or somebody you hate that you think will hate soccer we'll, we'll take hate listens love listens any kind of listens and the only thing I'd add about that is that uh, hopefully we can give you a 14th episode, but after the ending there, I don't know if me and Eric are still friends. Yeah, alright, you guys have a, have a good one.
Bye. 